0: All right, welcome back to the No Really Everything's Fine podcast, the podcast where we talk about proposals as local proposal people in the giant dumpster fire. Today, just so you know, we have uh, Roxanne Marquez who is joining us to talk all about graphic design and graphic principles within the proposal industry. We are joining you today from the trash can full of old gloves at the TSA check-in for the International Terminal at LAX. Um, Roxy has some specific strong feelings about that, and so that's our, that's our terrible place that we're joining you from. My name is Catherine Bennett. I am the co-founder of Pococo Industry Experts. I'm so excited to be joining you today where I am, uh, Actually, actually recording at a, a U-Haul store, <laughs> believe it or not, because my car is going to be in the
1: background, what's going on? Um, but I've got about 15 years of the global industry experience. I love sharing uh new ideas and new conversations with you. So I'm really glad to be here today. And let's get another introduction from our other hosts.
2: Alright, uh, so I am Nora Fox. I have been in proposals for about five years now. I am a senior RFP strategist. I work for the world's 17th largest, uh, global healthcare employer. And, um, I, I work in their healthcare segment. Uh, I am, uh, Shipley trained and APMP certified and super excited to be talking about graphic design today.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome back. Thanks for joining. My name is Nicole Robinson the A R team. I am the founder of the Proposal Managers Planner, an organizational tool that's designed with the proposal professional in mind. And I am a 16-year proposal professional and currently am the uh, sales operations manager for bid management uh, with a cybersecurity firm that's based in Toronto. It's a global firm, but I'm based out of Toronto. All
0: right, and Roxy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh yes, I'm Roxanne Marquez. I'm the marketing manager with Siegel and Strain Architects in Emeryville, California. Been there for just over a year and it's been fantastic. Um, everyone inside and outside of the industry calls me Roxy, so I go with that. I've been running Red Queen Creative as my portfolio uh blog home uh just Side gigs and everything everywhere all at once for about six or seven years, uh, seven to eight years in the AEC industry. And I've been studying graphic design for over 10. Um, also part of uh, SMPS Sacramento. I'm currently the lead for their diversity, equity and inclusion engagement group, uh, past PRC speaker, uh, past Director at large and education committee lead, uh, done a lot with them and they've been very supportive of my career and they're kind of the fuel that, that adds to my dumpster fire (laughs) that brings me to you all today. Well, you have such a storied career and you are a titan in the industry, if I may say so, based on that credential. Um, So we're so excited to have you today to talk about this very, um, is an important topic in our industry today. And I know Nicole has some questions to get started, so let's take it
1: over to you. Awesome. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for being here, Roxy. We were definitely one of the guests, but I was very excited. I'm always excited to talk to talk to all of the amazing people that we get to talk to on this podcast. But this was super interesting to me. So I was like this is not something this is not a topic that we discuss very often. Um, when we talk we always talk about the writing, but what about the design aspect? And even how can you How do you write and design at the same time? So uh, okay, anyway, I'm gonna dive in. I'm gonna dive in. I'm gonna dive in. Alright, so my very my first question is in terms of design and the proposal response process, what in your opinion is the best way to use graphics as part of your response? How do we tie our the written word and our graphics together to make a better, more impactful proposal?
0: Well, I think, you know, it starts off with the, the tagline on my, my portfolio site, I mean, straight up the first thing you'll see. It says, if you believe it, you'll see it. And that's kind of like a little bit of play on, on words there. But, um, you know, it comes back to one of my good colleagues, Donna Corlew from C Connect, you know, at one of her many speaking engagements said, you know, if, if, if it's easy to read, it's easy to score. And that's kind of the intent here is when you're managing a proposal, your job is to rack up points, beat the competition, uh, make your message seen, understood. And that gets really difficult in, you know, a world where user experience varies from person to person. So you have to account for a lot of different audience members, um, you know, and how they're going to absorb and react to your information. So graphic design principles are based on a lot of design principles that are very universal because they're based on the science of our eyes and our brains and how those two play together, you know, interact with each other. So if you rely on the science of design, you will have a better chance of drawing your reader or your user to the information that you need to, to give them. And it's, to me, it's kind of, left hand and right hand with visuals and writing because no one's going to read what you wrote if they cannot find it. And in order to find it, they have to see it. And in order to make someone see it, they have to, you know, engage with the principles of graphic design. And I think that's where I've created a little bit of a expertise. That's
1: awesome. Thank you so much for that answer. And that is exactly, exactly what I was expecting Um, to hear because even for myself I was talking about today actually about how I started using a new type of call-out box and I've been experimenting with call-out boxes recently um, Mm -hmm. and went from a flat one to super square with italicized writing to a colored bubble that matches our brand and it was commented on and I was like yeah I kind of love it i'm working with it but i'm kind of i kind of love it because my eye goes to it and when mm-hmm. i get to the top of that section i immediately see that and i want to read what's in it so a hundred percent agree in terms of having the, the visual and the writing to work together hand-hand.
0: and it's based on science that you've been absorbing your whole life um without knowing it you know right. so i i remember as a kid one of my big influences was having a subscription to Rolling Stone. And I I think I got it as a gift or something like that. But I, I was in and out of Rolling Stone every month and just absorbing the design and absorbing the layout and seeing, you know, when they followed the rules and also when they broke the rules to kind of grab your attention. And I think that that always really stuck with me when I got to proposal design, because now I didn't want to lay it out like a document. I wanted to lay it out like a magazine, you know, based on the influences that, you know, of other magazines I had read, Spin Magazine, um, just a lot of the music mags that were very visually engaging for some reason because the music magazines have to be visually engaging. Um, and, you, you know, I think I got a lot of head scratching at first when I got into the industry because, you know, a lot of PMs were like, this isn't how we've always done it. And I'm thinking, well, have you been getting a lot of business? Maybe it's time to try something new. Uh So that to me, there's nothing wrong with looking to outside inspiration and outside resources because you're interacting with people and it's okay to try something that engages their brains and their eyes.
2: So that I have a question on because I'll say for most, like the largest chunk of my career, um it's kind of been me. I've been a one-top shop, desktop publishing myself, laying mm-hmm. them out as documents, right? And there's only so much you can do in Word. You can do a lot. Um, but it does take time, right? So um, where I'm working at now, they often leverage InDesign, which is a first for me. I think it's, they do beautiful work. Um, so I'm curious, Roxy, what do you typically use in order to design a proposal? How do you work with the, the PMs, right? And at what point in the process do you come in, right? So, you mm-hmm. know, do the go to proofing and then to design? Do you, you know, do you guys do design last? How does, do you do it throughout the process? How does that work?
0: I've, I've done it a few different ways and, and kind of learned, uh, the pros and cons from, again, interacting with people who were used to doing everything in Word. And, uh, I, so I do everything in Adobe products of all kinds, um, you know, Photoshop, uh, Illustrator, Adobe Express right now, Premiere Pro. I'm pretty well versed and trained in the whole suite. And then for documents like proposals, I do everything in InDesign. Where some of my collaborators and editors get a little hung up is that they can't go in and make edits in InDesign because maybe they don't have the software or the training. And then I have to remind them that's kind of the point because their job is to just give me the copy, give me the content. Um, and then, you know, put that in writing, or the, sometimes they'll get asked, how how many words does it need to be? How many, you know, paragraphs does it need to be? And I'm all for giving out those parameters. Um, but, you know, you have to have one editor where I think a lot of proposals get hung up in the process is having too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so part of being the proposal designer is being the proposal manager and creating the space, the layout, you know, and there's so many ways to do that. InDesign without even having text involved. I mean, there's a whole bill of placeholder text function where you can design an entire proposal that meets the, uh, text parameters like your font requirements, uh, the page limits that already accounts for covers, tabs, tables of content, um, you know, all of the different sections where you create the space and then you just parse out the content assignments for editors. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you know, you get to the the part of the process where it's full enough and you say, Okay, now I'm going to start cutting new PDFs. And right now InDesign has a function where you don't even have to send a PDF, you can just create a view online copy. People can review it from their phone. If they I need love to. That. Um so there's, you know, an export to share and then you can just create a, a web link basically where anyone who you send this web link to can go online and, you know, review the the draft that includes the pictures, the formatting, um, the content, you know, headers, all of that. And so you can even manage your editorial process online on, on your phone if you need to. Um, which is really wow. convenient. You have a lot of people who are say at a conference or on a project site and they still need to collaborate and, you know, and help edit this thing. um, but I think there is an inherent value in having one manager and, and one designer to kind of run everything. I know in my experience, this is the second time that I've been a, a marketing department of one. So I'm just kind of used to this process. But I think even having one lead and multiple collaborators, whether it's your designer, your editors, your PM, um, it, keeps, it keeps things on the rails. You know, you don't want anything going off the rails. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I I've I've made a couple of converts from InDesign. I generally kind of cross compare the two and say that Word is a very linear process, whereas InDesign is a very flat, 2D empty space process. And it can confuse a lot of Word to InDesign converts at first. But as like if you've done anything in PowerPoint, we're kind of following that format instead of Word, and then they get a little more comfortable with it. You know, I say it's kind of like the perfect combination of Word and PowerPoint combined. Mm-hmm. That's so how are you consuming
2: it. the content into InDesign, right? So do you have a Word document set up with styles that are, have scripts running in the background? Or how does that content from those SMEs make it into your final design?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, it starts with the outline process. And I mm-hmm. think that's where I've taken a different approach from some other technical proposal managers. In that when I approach a proposal, I approach it like a design project. And that always includes a brief, an outline, um, you know, identified tasks, the schedule. So I always come back to my proposal management process doc. And that includes the outline for the content. So I know who owes me what, you know, or um, who is the backup person. Maybe if that's me is not available at first or just is inherently busy, then who else can I go to for info? Which I also think is an an important part of the process because you never want to hang it up on just one person if a deadline's looming. Like you want to have a second, third tier of support. Um, so yeah, I I think it starts with the outline and then bringing that into the skeleton, which is just an empty layout. So, you, you know, it's more. Like designing a magazine as opposed to a proposal document. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a slightly different approach, but it does open you up to more graphic freedoms and, you know, possibilities.
2: So are you PMing and designing?
0: Um, yeah, I, I do everything, like kind of one stop shop.
2: Have um, you ever been the, the designer working with a PM and then importing it into? because I think a lot of our listeners probably aren't doing both. I think that's a really mm-hmm. unique, very cool thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I'm curious what advice you would have for folks who are working as the PM with a graphic designer, kind of getting that that content pulled over.
0: Um, well, earlier in my career, I was assisting on some bigger proposals, you know, for some bigger contracts. And in that instance, you know, say my supervisor was PMing the whole proposal, Right. And I was doing more of the, the production work, you know, layouts, um, styles, headers and footers, you know, page, uh, just sort of creating all the empty space, graphs and charts, um, resumes. I was like, at least prepping some of the resumes. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's more of a stop and check process at that point because you have a leader, you have an editor and you're working with them to contribute your part. And so, you know, you you have to kind of like, okay, say what's the task? Where do we put stuff? Break, go to corners, do the work you need to do, come back, have those check-in meetings. Um, so that's also taught me to be a team player when I need to be um and then also given me the the training to move up to be a proposal manager too. You have to know how to do all of the parts if you're going to manage a whole proposal, design, writing and editing from start to finish. Yeah, I think it really elevates, or it really, really emphasizes the fact that there's a lot of industry-specific practices that many of us don't understand, and like the diversity of our experiences as proposal managers. I'm the kind of like rapid-fire, quick, you know, 30-page document folks. Other folks on this call, you know, spend months doing activities, and so understanding the diversity of our experiences is really something I always gather from my my discussions with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I. You know, again, I just gave a recent presentation talking about graphic design in the AEC and proposal industries. And I always advocate that if you have a graphic designer on staff or even one that you're contracting out, understand the basics of, of their world and their language, even if it's just the definitions and what that means, because it's going to, um, it's going to smooth out your communication process so much easier. So you're not spinning wheels and making these odd, sort of cryptic requests that your graphic designer is not going to understand. You know, it's it's the difference between, you know, can we just add a pop of color versus, okay, can we add some more contrast here or some warmer saturation and really bring this photo out because we want to emphasize this feature? You notice how one is a lot more vague in its definition or description and one is a lot more succinct. And it's because if you're thinking like a marketer and saying, I just need to add a pop of color, your graphic designer on staff is not going to really understand how you want that done. But when you get into the specifics, just using basic graphic design language, you're going to get results that you are happy with a lot faster. I'm curious. If if I'm a person who doesn't really use graphics in my proposals today. And I'd like to get started. Do you have maybe just a couple tips about like where those graphics are easiest? Like what types of sections you might like to add them in or what types of graphics you might want to interject into those documents uh, just as an easy way to get started? Well, I'd say, I'd say the easiest um, entry point is typography because even if you're not a graphic designer, if you're writing out proposals, you're still using typography, even if you don't know it. So there are a lot of graphic design principles just related to typography that you can start to integrate into written proposals and never add a picture. Because again, looking at the the words on a page, your brain is going to create some kind of an image from it. It's going to look at the empty spaces, look at the space in between lines, going to look at the headers, the bullets, how those all play together. And so typography is probably the most common graphic design principle that we don't even know we're absorbing.
1: For the layman and non-proposal people who are out here listening, do you want to explain to the audience what typography is? So typography is just
0: a study of how letters are built, drawn, illustrated, created. Um, typography, you know, includes letters of all languages. and. When we talk about a letter as a shape, it's still the intersection of lines and it's still the, you know, um, empty space that's created by those lines. And it's understanding how our eyes understand those shapes and, and understand them as letters and, you know, how we read easier. It's very important, especially when it comes to accessibility.
1: That's amazing. That's great. That's
0: great. Thank you. So the easiest way to get started with graphic design is really not even to do much with graphics at all. (laughs) I wasn't expecting to hear
1: that. Yeah. (laughs) My question was with regard so we've moved from photography and we, we have we like the way our bulleted lists are looking, we like our spacing, we're really good with that, but now we really do want to begin to add images. What images would you well actually what sections should graphics be included in first? But we beginning at the beginning, but we've moved past the
0: that's, a, that's an interesting question because I've seen it done all kinds of ways. Um, I would say start with your evaluation criteria because you don't, I mean, if you had a limited time budget and you only had to add, say, five pictures, add it to the place where you're going to be scored with the most points or the most weight. Because that is really going to have to be the focus of your whole story. I think a lot of firms would look at where they need to add images and say, oh, let's just talk about ourselves. I'm like, you have a website. They can go find out who you are if they really wanted to, you know, your clients. What they can't find out is how are you going to do the job? And for that, you know, they're scoring you the most on say your approach or scope criteria. Well, then add your pictures there if that's your limited budget, because you need to explain a process or a story or, you know, a step-by-step, you know, some journey and how you're going to do the job. I would say start there. You know, everything else, you know, is second tier.
2: Roxy, I worked with a SME one time who insisted that there be an image on every single page, right? Right.
1: Mm-hmm. and
2: i think sometimes that's great if you can work it in but i think there is is a place for that what are your thoughts on that how how many should there be one image per page is that your hard fast rule you know um are are there a time and a place for those types of things like what do you what do you kind of what guidance would you give our audience if they're kind of trying to do introduce imagery and there's not let's say a, a tight time budget for the response right you've got 4 weeks <laughs> you know, you've got plenty of time to get design in there. What would you do? Uh,
0: there is a little bit of truth to that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it an image. It's what we call an entry point. So, what is the visual target on the page that your reader needs to go to first?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, so a lot of times that is an image. Um, that's why we have mastheads on websites. And, you know, it's, you know if you read a news article, even online, there's a big image at the top. It's designed as an entry point. It's supposed to attract your attention, like a little red flag wavy says, hello, look at me first. That's an entry point. Um, so you do want an entry point on every page or every spread if you're looking at two pages side by side, like a tabloid spread. It doesn't necessarily have to be an image. It could be a graphic. It could be a headline uh, in the olden days. That's what drop caps were designed as, because if you have a drop cap that takes up two or three lines, it's a big letter, it's an entry point. It's saying, start here. So you should have something like that on every page or spread, but it doesn't necessarily have to be an image. It just has to be a big eye-catching element.
2: So it could be an icon.
0: It, it could be an icon. It could be a, 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 head, a header that is in bold or in some kind of different color. It could be a drop cap. It could be a logo. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of things that count as visual and elements that are not just images.
2: So including charts and tables.
0: Right. I mean, you generally want to have those at the top or the bottom because right. you're either, you're either starting off with, say, if I'm looking at a page and there's a big chart or table at the top, the rest of the information is inherently going to explain what that means. But it it's at the bottom, that's like you have an explanation and it's leading up to a summary of,
1: of information. Oh my this is so valuable. i I I don't know about you guys, but I'm incorporating. I'm 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 soaking this up and I'm like, okay, okay, what can I take back and what can I use going forward? I'm actually excited about this. Yeah, and these are just some of the,
0: the tips and tricks because I mean, once you start to kind of again step past that looking glass into the world of art and graphic design, there is a whole other world, you know, that that is supporting proposals but is completely separate of it.
1: And Roxy, I
0: mean, in journalism school, we studied document design pretty intentionally, right? And this is so, what you say is really familiar to me, and it feels comfortable. I'm like, oh yeah, drop top. all these different design elements. But right? really like it makes sense, but for folks who, who, you know, obviously we can't tackle all of this in the podcast or even in the, in the few resources that you've made. So where would you recommend that folks go to get additional education so that they can become more comfortable with, with, even if they're not designing themselves, with auditing their design
1: and making sure that it looks right for the customer? Um, I
0: just recently included a few, uh, additional, you know, resources in a presentation I gave a couple weeks ago. Um, you can, you can always start at adobe.com if you want to learn more about InDesign and, and how, how to achieve those principles with the InDesign tools. Um, if you just already have a subscription with Adobe and you go to, you know, InDesign help, you can, it's, uh, helpx.adobe.com slash learning. Um, there are whole videos, whole tutorials. Uh, you can find also supplements on Amazon or on their store called Classroom in a Book. And that's really nice because it shows you in a book form, you know, where you can find the tools, how to achieve certain things, you know, the step-by-step process. So sometimes when you actually have InDesign open, it's helpful to have the book because you can refer to it while you're working. Um, LinkedIn Learning is also another great resource um, because there's, you know, modules and classes on how to do, you know, certain things. I think if you are looking at anything on YouTube about just basic principles, um, of graphic design, you'd probably find some good videos there, but that's also kind of diving into a rabbit hole of, you know, how to do this effect in Photoshop and a bunch of other stuff you might not need just for proposals. And then, um, there's another company, or I guess publication called How Design, and they publish just graphic design 101 books, um that illustrate to you all the principles and I keep a couple on my desk as a reference to this day and that's howdesignlive.com. Okay. And we'll make sure that um, the links that if you can provide us with those same links, we can put those in the show notes as well for anybody who's interested in joining and checking out
1: those resources.
0: Okay, uh, So it is getting a little loud in here. I'm going to kick it off. to
1: One of my other co-hosts to close out our episode.
2: I have tons of notes from this episode. So I am happy to do this. So, uh, Roxy, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And I, I really think that a lot of our audience is going to take away a lot of things from this. You know, uh, some of the things that really stood out to me were if it's easy to read, it's easy to score. Right? So, so that's definitely one thing. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you're understanding enough about graphic design to be able to communicate to the, to your designers exactly what you want, exactly what you're looking for, so that you can, you know, uh, make sure that your graphics make sense for your clients. Um, and that the easiest point to graphics is typography, which has absolutely nothing to do with graphic design at all. I love that. Uh, you know, and you want to make sure that you're starting with evaluation criteria, adding those images in places where you're going to be scored most so you can make the most impact with your graphic design. Um, and, you know, you definitely want to make sure you're having an entry point on every page, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's an image, right? It can mm-hmm. be a drop cap, like you said, an icon, a nice big bold header. If you don't have a graphic design resource, those are all things that we can do if you're just working in Word alone. Um, and, you know, you also dropped some great resources and we're going to put those in the, in the show notes, including, you know, adobe.com, amazon, linkedin learning, YouTube, and HowToDesignLive.com, which are, again, resources that we all have access to. So you have provided us with such a tremendous amount of knowledge and thank you so much, uh, for your time today. We've really enjoyed having you.
0: Well, wonderful. Well, thank you for having me and, and letting me share. You know, some of my background and expertise that has sometimes made me feel a little bit, you know, outcast in, in the proposal management world. But, uh, you know, and, and I see that as a, a definitely value add just coming from a graphic design background and being able to work in, you know, proposal management and sharing what I know, you know, and helping others. Um, it's, it's been, it's been a real, you know, strange journey, but you know, one that I'm glad I can undertake because I found this sort of a need in the proposal management world where I can come and be of service. And so that's been really, really valuable.
2: Well, I would not call you an outcast. I would call you a unicorn. And I would love to know where can people find you, Roxy? Can, you know, can they find you on LinkedIn? Is there a website they can get in touch with you? What's going on? How do we get in contact?
0: Um, I am all over LinkedIn. Um, Uh, You can also check out more of my work and read my blog, Marketing in Motion, which is at redqueencreative.me. And I'm active in AEC marketing in Sacramento and East Bay Area regions with my firm, Siegel & Strain Architects. And, uh, yeah, at any of the SMPS functions on the West
1: Coast and hopefully across the country. Fantastic. That is so amazing. Thank you so much for and for our listeners, if you would like to listen to more episodes, you can find us anywhere that podcasts are available. Apple, Spotify, Google, Audible. we are there. This has been another amazing episode of No Really Everything's Fine. The proposal podcast, the proposal professional. Thanks for listening.
0: We'll see you next time.